Matthew chapter 7 today, and we'll see what we can find here in the Word of God this morning. Matthew chapter 7. When you find your place, let's stand in honor and reverence to the reading of the Word of God. I'm going to read a handful of verses here and get into the sermon. Matthew chapter 7. Look here in verse number 24. Read down through verse number 27. The Bible says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father God, I pray that you would Help us today for a little while, God, from your word. I thank you for the reading of your word and ask you to bless it, Father, this morning. I thank you for the songs we've heard and how they've stirred our hearts, Father. And I pray for a little while uh, that you would bless us and help us as we open up your word to see the truths thereof. And Father, I pray, God, more than anything, that if there's one here lost, uh, they'd be saved today. Father, I pray, God, for those who may not be In fellowship with you today, Father, I pray that you would convict and stir our hearts, Father, with your word today, Father. Please uh, meet our every need, uh, Father, and give us a great day in your house. God, I pray that you would just help us. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen and amen. Thank you. You can be seated this morning. So as a way of introduction to the text we've just read, I want to point out uh, that in chapter 7, well, let me point it out this way. If you remember when I just read that text in verse number 24, the very first word that I read and the very first word that you'll find in that verse is the word therefore. And so you've been here long enough and heard me preach long enough to know that when we see the word therefore, we've got to look and see what it's there for, okay? Uh, everything that follows the word therefore has to do with the things that came before, okay? This is why we have to study the context of Scripture. And so by way of introduction this morning, I want to point out that when you look at the entirety of chapter 7 of the book of Matthew, we find three important parallels that have to do with uh, what we're looking at this morning, okay? The first parallel is uh, found in verses 13 and 14, and it is the two ways representing the start of life. These are the two ways representing the start of life. Look at them with me in verse 13 and 14. The Bible says, Enter ye in at the straight gate, For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate, 
And narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. These are the two ways that represent the start of life. When we're born physically, we are born in sin. The Bible tells us in Psalm 51 verse 5, that I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. We are born into sin because we were sold into sin. Romans 5.12 says, Wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin and so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. And so that is the beginning of the physical life. That's the start of the physical life. But here's what Jesus says in John chapter 3 verse 3. He answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And so there comes a time when if we are going to make it to heaven, we must be born again. The first birth is not good enough. It just brought us here physically. But if we're going to make it home, we must be born again. All right? I didn't make the rules. God did. He says we must be born again. So you know what? If you're going to get to heaven, you got to be born again. Doesn't matter what I think about it. Doesn't matter what you think about it. Doesn't matter how we feel. The Bible says ye must be born again. You were born in sin the first time. And if you never get born again and born spiritually... You'll die and go to hell. That's what the Bible tells us. And so we must make a decision. We either stay on the broad way that leads to destruction or we listen to Jesus as He tells us to enter ye in at the straight gate. Now, the start of your real life is when you turn from sin and you turn from the broad way and you turn to God on the straight and narrow. That is the beginning of spiritual life and it is the only way that leads to life everlasting. So we're given the first set of parallel here in this chapter and that has to do with the beginning of life or the start of life. Number two, here's the second parallel that we find in chapter number seven. We find it in verses number 15 down through verse number 20. And that is the two trees representing the growth of life. Alright, first off we've got the two ways representing the start of life. And now we see in these verses the two trees representing the growth of life. Because you can't grow until you're born, right? That makes sense. Don't that make sense? You can't grow unless you're here, unless you're born. And, and, and you know, when you're born physically and you begin, you begin then to grow, you start growing immediately. It's the same way in the spiritual life, okay? But there's a problem. Look in verse number 15. The Bible says, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bringeth forth good fruit. 
Every tree that bringeth not, go, not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore by their fruits ye shall know them. And so we see here there's two trees. We started off with two ways. Now we have two trees. And everything in nature reproduces after its own kind. Y'all know why that's like that, right? Because back in Genesis, that's what God said. That's how He designed it. And so that's how it works. Everything in nature reproduces after its kind. And this is also true in the spiritual realm. Good fruit comes from a good tree. But bad fruit fruit comes from a bad tree. Hey, it's not rocket science. You're not going to go out here and plant an apple tree. And hey, it may start growing. And you may see those limbs. And it may look like just a tree. But when harvest time comes and the fruit starts coming off, you're going to know what kind of tree it is. Why? Because if you plant an apple tree, it's going to eventually have apples on it. It's not going to have oranges on it. It's not going to have pears on it. It's not going to have anything else but apples. Now, before it starts... Hey, now, now this is simple, y'all. This is how Jesus taught. Okay? He, he always put it on the bottom shelf so everybody could understand it. When you got, you may have an apple tree here and a pear tree here, and you may have planted them at the same time, and for a little while they both may just look like trees, right? Well, they got branches, they got some leaves on. You may not be able to tell them apart, and you may sit over here and say, "Well, I think that apple tree was the one on the left, and I think that pear tree was the one on the right." Well, guess what? You may have that backwards because they both just look like a branch right now. But when it comes time to bring forth that fruit, there's not going to be any guessing on which one is which. Right. Right. Because apple trees not going to bring forth anything but apples. That's what Jesus is trying to get people to understand here. It's the, the spiritual realm is the exact same way. And, and uh, he talks about prophets here, false prophets. He says they are, they are wolves that appear as sheep. And what he's talking about is nothing but deception. The false prophet is the one who appears to be speaking for God. But he's a deceiver. A false prophet doesn't speak for God at all and tries to deceive you and pull you away from God. And in the same way, a tree can't deceive but for so long. Once the season for fruit bearing arrives will know what kind of tree it is and he says here that the false prophets are no different the person here, here's what I'm trying to say the truth always eventually comes out always it may be a year it may be 10 years it may be 20 years it may be a lifetime who knows but the truth always comes out the person who believes false doctrine or who, who follows a false prophet will never experience a changed life. And we need to watch out. Because here's the thing, there's a lot of people right off the get-go, we've got two ways, we've got two trees, and let me tell you, there's a lot of people that have gotten born again and have turned to that straight and narrow, but here comes along a false prophet trying to trip them up. Does that make sense? We see that all the time. And then you've got other people that are on the... See, this is what's so dangerous about a false prophet. Number one, they'll keep real Christians from growing. And number two, 
They'll let the lost people think they're okay. That's a horrible situation to be in. And I believe with all of my heart that if you're a true born again child of God, God will, God will, through the Holy Spirit, show you some things and get you out of these messes. I honestly believe that. I see it happen all the time. I see it all the time. The Lord works through His people. The Holy Spirit works in people to get you out of those places. To give you discernment and get out from under that mess. But at the same time, there's always time wasted. And so, we've got, uh, and, and here's the worst part of all, it's sad to say that some people do not realize none of this until it's too late. There's people all across our nation, all across our world tonight, that think they're going to heaven. The only problem is, a false prophet can only preach a false gospel. And a false gospel ain't no good for nobody. We have to be careful. And so we have one parallel here, which is two ways. And then we have a second parallel, which is two trees. And then we had a third parallel, which is where we're at this morning in our text. And that is the two foundations. Now these two foundations, I, I mentioned uh, just a moment ago that the two ways represent the start of life. The two trees represent the growth of life. And here in verses 24 through 27, we have the two foundations which represent the end of life. And these are two foundations that with the help of the Lord, I want to focus on today for just a little bit. I want you to notice, number one, the solid foundation. In verse 24 and 25, the Bible says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. Notice with me some things concerning this solid foundation. There is a rule that we see right off the bat. Notice with me two key words found in verse number 24. Here they are. Heareth and doeth. You need to underline those or highlight them in your Bibles. Heareth and doeth. There is a rule. But not only that, but there is a rock that we see. Now, this word rock refers to a large outcropping of rock, the bedrock. Now, this tells us that the man that builds on a solid foundation has to dig until he reaches the bedrock. The bedrock doesn't move. The bedrock doesn't change. But it takes some work to get there. Yeah. A lot of people in their Christian life, they never want to go beyond the surface of what they know. They never want to dig deep. Hey, you're going to have to dig. I'm getting ahead of myself. But you need to dig deep in the Word of God. Amen? Hey, as much as I love Sunday school and I thank God for bringing me up in a church that had Sunday school for the kids, I went to a Christian school. But I'm going to tell you something. Those little, those little three year to five year Sunday school lessons ain't going to cut it in your adult life. That stuff gets on my nerves. I love Sunday school. But what I'm saying is you are supposed to, as a child of God, grow. Hey, when I was a baby, I had milk. It didn't take me long 
to develop a taste for meat, though. That milk just don't work. Hey, now that I'm 38, that milk don't work no more. I want the prime rib on my plate. Don't give me no bottle of milk. But hey, how many of us in our Christian lives, we've never left the bottle of milk. Now I'm here to tell you this morning, if you're going to dig and, and, and put your foundation on that bedrock, you're going to have to do like that physical builder. You're going to have to dig below the surface. Yeah. I'm going to say more about that in just a minute. But we see, we see a rule. We see a rock. We see the rain. And then we see the remains. What was the remains? Well, the Bible says it fell not for it was founded upon a rock. Now, in contrast to this solid foundation, I'm going somewhere with all this, all right? It's a big introduction and a little message. Y'all probably like, no, they're all big messages, preacher. We know you. I promise there's not many. Yeah, anyways. But in contrast to this solid foundation, we have a sinking foundation. Look in verse 26 and 27. The Bible says, And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. I'm going to tell you something. My house falls down right now. It ain't going to be no little fall, is it? They're all great falls when it comes to your house. Amen? Notice with me concerning this sinking foundation. There is a warning. While ago we had a rule. Now there's a warning. What's the warning? Well, it's the same keywords. Look in verse 26. Heareth and doeth not. Heareth and doeth not. There's a warning here. And there is again, just like in the other, uh, the other foundation, there's water, there's waves, there's winds, and the same storm that hit the solid foundation hit the sinking foundation. Now here's not, here's what I'm trying to get at. I've got no problem believing that both of these houses looked great on the outside. The difference is what lies beneath. And that is true of our homes today. They may look like a picture-perfect house on the outside, but what lies beneath is really what makes the difference. It wasn't long ago I was reading an article about this development of homes out in Nevada, I believe it was. I mean, I'm talking four or five million dollar houses. Beautiful homes. Three-story mansions. You I mean, just beautiful. And they had to evict every single one of the homeowners because the land that they built them on is shifting. And so they showed this big, beautiful house. I mean, just a gorgeous, beautiful place. Look, looks no different than some you would see around here or some you would see around Lake Norman or some you would see down toward Davidson. One of the most, I mean, they've got the most beautiful homes down in that little city. But there's a problem. Can't nobody live in it. They look the same. They're just as gorgeous. Cost just as much. But nobody can live in these because when you start looking closely, you can see on the back sides where the foundation is pulling away from the back of the house. Why is it doing that? Because all of the ground is shifting. And I'm talking like there's like a hundred homes in this development. It's ridiculous. It's crazy. And so here's what I'm getting at. They look great on the outside. 
I mean, what lies beneath is what makes the difference. Is the home, hey, I'm not going to go out here and build my home on something I know is shifting. I'm not going to go out here and build a house on ground that I know is not stable. At least not to my knowledge. No, nobody would do that. But our whole, our homes, our, our what we are inside is the same way. Uh, you know, I know for a fact that you really never know what goes on in somebody's house. We're going to shift to spiritual matters here, okay? We look good on the outside. We can, we can, uh, we can clean up nice and we can brush up and we can, we can wear nice clothes and we can look good. Hey, I've known several people. Cause truth always comes out. Right? I've known pastors that people love, people think the world of, oh, that's the nicest man. And he'd be an absolute devil when he walks into his house. It happens. You know people like that, I'm sure. You see this family out, see these families out somewhere, they look like the picturesque family. Oh, there's a, hey, I'm telling you, the foundation matters in our homes. And that's where I'm going somewhere here this morning. For the remainder of the message, I want us to look at what Jesus had to say about building your home on a solid foundation. We got a lot of people out today. They look good on the outside. Their homes look good on the outside. But on the inside, they're all on sinking ground. Jesus gives us some things here. He gives us the pattern for building our home on a solid foundation. Look in verse number 24. He gives us what we need to know. He always does. Jesus always gives us everything we need to know. Number one, look at the pattern for building your home on a solid foundation. He says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. Let me tell you, every house must have a pattern or a blueprint. And verse number 24 gives us this pattern. You wouldn't go out here and physically build a house without knowing what you're doing first. It makes no sense to me, myself, I'm not going to go out here and try to build a house. You know why? I don't know anything about building a house. I'm going to have to talk to some people. We're going to have to draw up some blueprints. You're going to have to, hey, the Lord Jesus tells us about that over in Luke chapter number 14, I think. He talks about what man goes out and builds a house. Without counting the cost first. You're going to have to make sure you've got enough money to pay for it. You're going to have to make sure that you've got the right people to help you out. You're going to have to make sure you've got plans. No man's going to go just start building a house without a blueprint. Without a pattern. Well, guess what? Jesus gives us the pattern here. Here's what God's pattern is. You know what this pattern is? Hearing and doing. That's His pattern. Hearing and doing doing. Hey, James chapter number 1 verse number 22 tells us, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. And this is what Jesus is talking about right here. The reason so many of our homes are falling apart is because we are not hearing and we are not doing. We come to church, we hear the word of God preached, but we fail to apply that teaching to our lives. And building on the rock speaks of people who hear the gospel and believe it to the point that they build their lives upon it. 
The rock in these verses is identified as these sayings of mine. Look at it with me. Verse number 24. He says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine. Jesus, it's obvious that He is teaching us something through an illustration. He says, The man, the wise man that builds on a rock. What is the rock in this picture? It is the Word of God. He says it right there. These sayings of mine. In other words, the words of Jesus. Hey, rock builders understand that Jesus alone has the power to save their souls. Rock builders hear His Word and they conform to their, uh, they conform their lives to it. They hear what the Bible says about Jesus. That He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by Me. They hear that message and they receive it with all their heart. They hear the message for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. They hear the message come unto me all ye that are labor, that labor, labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. And those messages strikes them like a bolt of lightning. It comes into their hearts with absolute clarity. They hear the truth about Jesus and they believe it. They embrace it. They yield to it. The message changes their lives. We've got a problem in our day. The message is not changing people's lives. You want to know what the problem is? It ain't the message. The message has not changed. The message is the same as it was back in the first century of the church. The message is the same as it was in the beginning. The Bible tells us that the begin in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Hey, nothing has changed about the message. We've just got a problem of people hearing it. And it's, hey, it's just like I'm 14 again. It goes in one ear and right out the other. Some of us never change. We say that about all teenagers. All oh, they just, they just go, it goes in one ear and out the other. Hey, guess what? We got a lot of adults in our day. It goes in one ear and right out the other. You know why? Because I see lives that should be changed, but they are not. The problem is not the message. Hey, here's the thing, y'all. The message strikes them like a bolt of lightning. The message changes their lives. What God tells the uh, the rock builder to do in His Word, they do. What God warns them not to do, they avoid. They pay any price. They walk any path. And they do anything the Lord tells them to do. You know, uh, the house is built. The house built on the rock is built by someone who realizes that God deserves their best. Amen. Someone who cares about the truth. Someone who, hey, I'm telling you, it's, it's going to cost you something to live for the Lord. It's going to cost you something to build your house on the rock. It's worth it. I'm going to get into that in a minute. But it's worth it. You might lose some friends. You may lose some people in this world. Hey, I'm telling you, if you uphold the truth, this world will not be your friend. It never has been and it never will be. But it's worth upholding. Some people ain't never... Hey, I was talking to my dad the other day and he was talking about what he was preaching. And I started giving him some quotes from some men. 
He said, man, he called me and he said, he said, how would you, how would you define easy religion? And I said, well, that's pretty good. I said, let me think about it a second. How would I define easy religion? I said, well, I thought about it a minute and I said, I'll tell you how I think I'd define it. I'd say it'd be a religion that cost me nothing and is worth nothing. I mean, that's what Leonard Ravenhill said about it. That's what J.C. Ryle said about it. That's what Martin Luther said about it. A salvation that hasn't... Hey, a religion that if your... I'll just put it this way. If your religion hasn't changed you, you need to change your religion. If that salvation that you have has never cost you anything, then it is not worth anything. Because true Christianity will cost you something. The Bible is clear about that. And that person who builds their life on that rock, on that solid foundation, they're going to pay any price. They're going to walk any path. They're going to do anything that the Lord tells them to do. Let me just tell you by my own personal testimony, the Lord sometimes is going to come to you and He's going to tell you hard things. He's going to make you make some hard decisions. I told a man the other day, we was talking about decisions. We was talking about, he, he was talking to me about, man, how do I know? How do I know? And I said, well, I'm going to tell you something about making decisions. I said, every point in life that I have come to that I've had to make a big decision, I said, it never was clear cut and dry. He said, why do you think that is? I said, well, if the Lord sends you one thing, the devil's going to send you another. And I said, you know what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to rely on God to make the right decision. I said, if you only had one decision and everything was perfect with it, and it was a no-brainer as we would say today, then where's your faith? Does that make sense to anybody? Every major decision I've ever had to make was at a crossroads. And you know how I made those decisions? Through prayer and fasting. Because hey, it may be a step toward a sinking foundation if I don't, <laughs> if I don't get it right. Hey, this thing's serious. That's what I told him. A person that wants their foundation on solid rock is going to have to make some hard decisions. They're going to have to pay some price. They're going to have to walk paths that other people won't walk. Hey, the house, as I said, that is built on the rocks, built by somebody who realizes that God deserves best. They sacrifice, they work, they do anything to honor the Lord. They love Him, they honor Him, they obey Him. Hey, the rock builder's obedience to the Word of God proves they love the Lord. But that verse in John chapter 14, verse 15 says, If ye love me, Keep my commandments. If ye love me, keep my commandments. Rock builders hear the Word of God, the Gospel, and make it the foundation for their lives. Listen to me this morning, church. It's not enough to have the Word of God. It's not enough to hold the Word of God. It's not enough to hear the Word of God. You and I have to heed the Word of God if we're going to build our lives on a solid foundation. God has done everything 
to make the way for us. God has done everything. He has set it all on the bottom shelf where anybody can attain it. The question is, are you? Because you can hear the Word of God all day long. You can hold the Word of God all day long. You can, hey, hey, it's a blessing just to have the Word of God. It's a blessing to hold the Word of God. It's a blessing to hear the Word of God. But if you don't put it to practice in your own life, it will do you no good whatsoever. And it will not be God's fault. Because He has brought it to you. That's the pattern for building our home on a solid foundation. Number two, there is, I want you to notice the purpose for building your home on a solid foundation. We have the pattern, now we have the purpose. Look in verse 25. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell not for it was founded upon a rock. Hey y'all, it's not a matter of if the storm is coming, but it is when the storm is coming. Regardless of our foundation, you're going to face storms and trials in this life. There's going to be times when the storms are severe. There will be even times when we'll wonder how in the world we're going to survive. And facing the storms and the adversities of life uh, are common to everybody. The Christian is not immune and the lost are not the only people who face them. Job chapter 14 verse 1 says, man that is born of a woman is of a few days and full of trouble. Now I want you to notice this storm here in verse number 25. Look at the diversity of the storm. We see there's rain, there's floods, and there's wind. You know, can I just say this real quick in passing? You never know what's going to hit you in life. And most of the time when it hits, it comes out of nowhere, does it not? It's the diversity of the storm. But what about the destruction of the storm? The Bible says it beat upon the house. And that word beat means to strike, to batter. This house was battered, but hey, it stood against the storm that was thrown against it. This house may have been shaken, but it did not fall. It stood on a firm foundation and it weathered the storm. And that is the entire purpose of building your home on a solid foundation. If it's not on a solid foundation, it's going to fall. But then number three this morning. Look at this. Storms are going to come. Question ain't where. The question ain't when. I mean, the question ain't if. The question is when. They're going to happen. And so, thankfully, number three this morning, we have the promise of building your home on a solid foundation. We've got the pattern. We've got the purpose. And now we see the promise. What does verse number 25 say? And it fell not. There's no question about it. It didn't fall because it had a solid foundation. A home that is built on hearing and doing what the Word of God says is promised to stand in spite of the storms. Why did this house endure? It looked as good as the other house, right? It looked just as good on the outside. What was different about it? It's what laid beneath. The foundation. That's why when we get in here, I open the Word of God and we preach the Word of God here. We all need a solid foundation. In other words... We are doing everything. I'm doing everything within my power as a pastor to feed you. I can't make you eat. But I can do the best I can with the help of the Lord to lay out the table. 
And if you don't eat, it's your own fault. And so, why do I do that? To build a foundation. This church, we got a pretty solid foundation up here on this hill. Literally. Physically, but I want a strong spiritual foundation in this church. I don't want this church to go nowhere. Hey, you think about it, these winds beat on this church all the time. We've had hail damage up on the shingles and on the roof. The rain beats it. The, 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 the hail beats it. The storms come. The wind blows. This church has been here for how long now? 30, better part of 40 years. Why? Hasn't it fallen in, preacher? Because it's on a solid foundation. And you know what's going to take this church into the years to come? Not only a good physical foundation, but it's going to take a spiritual foundation. Because here's the thing, y'all. Y'all want to know something about that spiritual foundation? This church can have the best physical foundation there is in the whole world. But if the spiritual foundation is lost... The rest of it ain't going to matter eventually. What do you mean, preacher? Well, I don't know about y'all, but I see for sale signs in a lot of church front yards. You go down south a little ways, you'll see a bunch. I saw one church down in Mooresville. It got turned into a Mexican restaurant. I've seen churches be turned into businesses. They've been turned into this and that and the other. Why? Because they, hey, the buildings remain... But the Word of God's not there. Oh, there's so many angles you can look at this passage. We've got to have a strong spiritual foundation. We need the physical and the spiritual because one without the other ain't going to work. The home that's built on hearing and doing what the Word of God says is promised to stand in spite of the storms. It endured because of the foundation. Luke reveals that the storm could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. Hey, y'all, is that not what we desire today? We need to build our lives. Let me just tell you, that spiritual foundation in this church, I said it all just a minute ago. I can come in here and I can lay the table and I can feed you from the Word of God, but you've got to eat. You know what I'm trying to say with that? Well, let's just go underneath underneath the obvious. We need to build our lives so that we're secure in Jesus. Every single one of you makes up the foundation spiritually of this church. It ain't just me. It ain't just Brother Elmo. It ain't just the years he put in here and physically building the place and then spiritually laying that foundation. Hey, thank God, but if we're going to endure into tomorrow, we've got to keep working on that spiritual foundation. We've got to give our lives to God. We have got to, we have got to build our lives so that we are secure in Jesus. Every single one of us plays a role in that, in the spiritual foundation of this church. When the storms come, we'll be able to withstand in Him if we are secure in Him. If we are building our lives on that rock. If you're building your, your house on anything but Jesus Christ and the gospel, guess what? It's going to fall. The promise that it will not fall only comes to those who hear and obey. 
The wise man builds his house on the rock because he knows storms are going to come. In fact, the storms will reveal the strength of the home and the type of the foundation. Your trials... Hey, let me just tell you something. i got to use this as an illustration. My mother-in-law, she just found out here recently she's got a roof on, on part of her house she had built on. This roof was put on years ago. But you know what? She found out it was put on wrong. You know what's happening now? When the storm comes, the rain's getting in it. The rain's getting underneath it. You know why? Because somebody didn't put it on right. Right? Hey, it's the same way in our lives, y'all. If you don't follow the pattern, you know, I mean, that shelter you got, it may look good right now, but eventually the truth's going to come out. How long's that roof been good for? 10 years? 15 years. It's a roof that should have lasted a lifetime, though. But now it's leaking. And thankfully, she's got some help. She found a guy that knows what he's doing. He's going to fix it. Y'all see the spiritual side of that, too? Yeah. I'm thankful for some men that still stand and preach the Word of God. You know it? There's a lot of people out here, their roof's been put on wrong down through the years. But there's still some men that are standing and preaching the truth of God's Word because that's what matters. You can pull a spiritual illustration out of everything. But here's the thing. The trials will reveal the strength of your faith and what your life is based upon. Whether it's the Lord or whether it's yourself. Because the rain's going to come. The floods are going to come. The hell's going to come. The storm's going to come. The wind is going to come. And eventually, you'll know what kind of foundation you got. You'll know whether the roof was put on right. You'll also know whether that foundation's on sinking sand or solid ground. The wise Christian will build his life on the Lord Jesus Christ and live for the Lord because he knows that God is the true source of peace, the source of strength, the source of stability in life, and that is Jesus Christ. God promises endurance when our lives are hit with trials and troublesome storms and we anchor ourselves to those promises. Those who build their homes on a rock have a promise and that promise is it ain't going to fall. And everybody in this room is building a spiritual house. Everybody here is building a spiritual house. Every single day, y'all, you attach boards, you drive nails, you add on rooms, you try to improve your house. Is that what gets you to heaven? No. The blood of Jesus gets us to heaven. By grace, through faith, is what gets us to heaven. I don't work to get saved. I work because I'm saved. I put them boards on my spiritual house. I drive those nails. I add on rooms. I try to improve the spiritual house. Why? Because I want to please my Savior. And regardless of what you do to the house you're building, what matters most is the foundation. What's the foundation, preacher? The foundation was my faith in the work of the Son of God. By grace, through faith, in Christ alone is the foundation. 
Amen. Be sure you're building it on Jesus Christ and the gospel. If you're not, I promise one of these days it's going to crumble to the ground. Let's stand and bow our heads, close our eyes. Miss Dawn, you come play for us softly.